pay attention to what's happening locally. If COVID-19 is spreading in your community, stay home as much as possible Shut and up. avoid crowds. Shut up. I, I don't like it because it's so artsy-fartsy. Yo, Mars Blackman here with my main man, Michael Jordan. Yo, Mike, what makes you the best player in the universe? Is it the vicious stumps? No, Mars. Is it the haircut? No, Mars. Is it the shoes? No, Mars. Is it the extra long shorts? No, Mars. Is the shoes it, right? Nah. Is it the short socks? No, Mars. Money's gotta be the shoes. Shoes, shoes, shoes. shoes. You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Mars. What about the shoes? No, Mars. Money's gotta be the shoes. I ordered that off, skin, buddy. off of Pro Wrestling Tees. You can, if you give them like four bucks, they'll send you a botch shirt. A shirt that like maybe has a slight misprint on it or a smear. And they sent me the Chris Jericho uh, Le Champion tank top because it has um, like a line through Chris, the word Chris here. Anyway, I love it. I didn't even notice it at first. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Le Champion. Yeah. So that was fun. I just finished parts five and six of The Last Dance. You uh, know you're what? fresh on this, babe. You know what, dude? Like, I'm trying to wonder what to think about it. Because there are moments where it, where I'm sitting here and I'm watching this and I'm like, yeah, he's great. He's the greatest of all time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to us, there's a lot of this that like, this is like bringing back memories to us. But can you imagine if you were, because you, you can be a full glass grown adult. You can be drinking age. You can be military age. You can be um go to the dispensary age and be old enough and not have existed during the 98 bulls towards the end of their uh six championships so there is a generation of people that are grown that have that they know the name michael jordan because you can't it'll probably their great grandkids will probably know the name michael jordan but a lot of people are just now getting the the full painted picture of what this is. And to us, we maybe at times we can think this is long in the tooth, but it really is kind of important to those who didn't live through it. You know, that's one of the things I think they've done the best with this documentary is that they've done a really good job of making it worth it. Whether you are that person who lived through it as, as a kid when it was the coolest thing in the world to you, like we were at that time, we were really young, watching sports. You know, I don't remember the early years of Michael Jordan, obviously, but sure, these '98 Bulls for sure. Or if you're in the next generation, they started out episode five by filtering it through those generations. Magic Johnson basically in there as a retired player talking to Michael Jordan, who's talking about Kobe Bryant as the next wave coming up. So they're really trying to bridge that. And I think it works for everybody, whether you know the Jordan story or not. That's why I thought it was so funny that those first four episodes all had real tense cliffhanger endings. <laughs> yeah. a, a story that's really well known <laughs> that happened 20 years ago. Yeah, but it's known by <laughs> but us. But if you were younger, yeah, yeah, you don't know that. Yeah. So I was a little disappointed that they kind of gave up the cliffhangers in episode five and six. They never really paid them off on any of these episodes. They never went straight into the resolution. 
So there wasn't really this big like cliffhanger payoff, but doing the cliffhangers was still funny to me. So I was a little bummed they did this. And I'm, I got to be honest with you. This was the first episode where I felt like it had it had filler, where they were like, oh, man, we got to do 10-hour-long episodes. All right, throw some filler in there. You know, I keep there's there has to be some filler, but at the same time, I keep going. You mean like extra long scenes of golfing, perhaps? Like- exactly. Yeah, I, I thought this episode was going to end with a nice little cliffhanger about 20 minutes before it ended. And you then know, I looked at my clock and was like, oh, wait, there's still time left. Oh, what are they going to do with that time? Oh, we'll just show them golfing. I'm really excited to get to a lot more focus on this last season towards the end because I really don't know that much about the last season. The Scotty Pippen cliffhanger from episode, what, two? I, it really did have me going like, wait a minute, was Scotty in that last season? Like, I did doubt. Like, I, I assumed he was, and it turned out he was. Oh, my but God, I, did Dennis Rodman OD in Vegas? <laughs> <laughs> well, you could have told me that, and I'd be like, yo, man, that sucks. It's, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, they were doing these cliffhangers, and they were fun, even for us who, who lived through this and know the story. But, yeah, this last one, it was like, okay, we get to the ending. We're getting all excited. What's going to happen? You know, Michael Jordan, I felt like this one was supposed to end when they went into the first little controversy of Michael Jordan basically not ever doing anything controversial, mm-hmm. of never speaking up, and the whole uh, Republicans buy sneakers too line. Right. Well, uh, Colin, Ka- Colin Kaepernick proved that not enough Republicans buy sneakers. <laughs> yeah, Nike did pretty well after <laughs> that anyways. Because like, <laughs> people were trying to be like, I'm not carrying Nike, and their fucking stores went out of business. Have fun with that. And, and seeing Jordan double down, present day Jordan double down on that. Just being like, look, I wasn't a role model. I was just focused on basketball. That is pretty You hear fast. that a million times. It's such a tired old article, argument. You know, it, does he need to be a role model? He's focused on being the greatest basketball player in the world. And he did it. Is that enough? Yeah. You know, episode five for the first 15 minutes is porn for sneakerheads. When Michael's like going into his 98 game last game at the garden and he's like, oh, I got my old Jordan. I got my Jordan ones. I just, I know like 10 people who were like probably pulled it out and just started beating off like right there. Just staring at those Jordan ones. I mean, I was pretty excited to see those Jordan ones. Yeah. I I remember this game. I remember the story behind this game. So I was pretty excited if they were going to show this. I was like, oh man. He he went back for he thought his last game at the Garden he should wear the same shoes as his first, mm. so he pulled out the Jordan ones, but they were they were an old model, and they were a little too small on him. Yeah. So and his feet are killing him, but he's kicking ass anyways because he kicked the Knicks ass every single time he ever played at the Garden. He said his feet were bleeding. Is what he said. Yeah, his socks were covered in blood by the end of the game. You see him doing interviews with them completely unlaced and open, but still on his feet, because I guess he didn't want to show reporters his bleeding-ass feet. <laughs> How much do you think a pair of Jordan 1s are right now? Oh, man, they, they've remade these things so many times since then, too. But yeah, the Jordan and Tinker Hatfield collaboration, utterly legendary. Oh, ignore that. My computer, other computer just came on. Anyway. All right, two computers. What are you watching on the other one? 
Well, the, I was going to look up how much a pair of uh, Jordan 1s like are. Um, yeah. <laughs> look, I have certain computers for that. You know what I'm saying? One computer is untouched. A pristine. Like the one I'm talking on now, that one's, this one will, uh, is my, is the pure child. But <laughs> this one right next to me over here is a whore. It's a filthy, filthy hoe. You are dirty. <laughs> this. And I love you for it. <laughs> all right. What were we talking about? Horace Grant. Did Horace drop the dime? We're going to be all bloody feet, but we're, we're going to be all over the place here. It's all right, man. They were all really happy to narc on Horace, weren't they? <laughs> yeah. But Horace was like, it wasn't me. <laughs> so it's like Horace denies it to this day. Yeah. Was the, was, they got a book, Sam Smith, the Chicago writer, yeah. who followed the team a lot and has been interviewed a bunch in this. He came out with a book called The Jordan Rules that had behind the scenes, maybe Michael Jordan's not a nice guy in it. And for <laughs> the most popular athlete in the world, people were like, oh, shit, let's see that dirt. You know, in the past when I brought up Michael Jordan, um, like I, I just, I've described that when we were, when I was a kid, a lot of kids... Were like wanted this guy to be their dad. There was some kind of sense of purity that was built up with Michael, and he got a shoe contract as a rookie. I mean, a lot of people knew he was going to be great, but they built it up to this, to this point where it was like, I want to be like Mike, and he's like slapping kids' asses on the court. Did you see that part where he slaps that kid's ass? No, I must have missed that, man. Look, the kid was like, had Michael to his back. He was holding him off. And Mike goes, slap, 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 slap. Maybe he didn't really... <laughs> I, I burped a little, sorry. Maybe he didn't really touch his ass, but it looked like he was slapping the kid's ass. But ass slapping's like, it happens a lot in, in sports. I'm not... Look, I'm not saying Michael's a pedo. I don't think that... I'm not claiming that. But there was that in that I want to be like Mike commercial. It looks like he's slapping a kid's ass. You know? Everybody wanted to be like Mike. Drink Gatorade. You got, You want to be like Mike? Bring that ass over here. That's Slap. the other MJ we were talking about. <laughs> Wrong MJ. <laughs> um, people still like send me DMs from our episode on uh, Leaving Neverland. They're like, he's innocent. You're a monster. I'm like, okay. I mean, these people probably didn't even hear the episode. And they're like, he's in a time. <laughs> hey, hey. All right. So we're we're close to the same age here. Yeah. We're like, Be honest like with a year, me. Apart, year apart at the most. Well, you say that. Well, how Be honest you? with me. <laughs> okay. You ever jack anyone for their Jordans? No. I wasn't a Jordan Jacker. The I remember the one, <laughs> the one shoe that I um, wanted were Reebok pumps. Those got really Ooh. big one year, and that was hell the, yeah they did. That was the only shoe that I recall. Man, I haven't worn a pair of Nikes since I was like probably fifteen fucking years old, like for real. Oh come on, man! The SBs are great. Yeah, well, let me let this cat out. 
I mean, I, I, I bought a pair of sneakers uh, maybe a couple of years ago. Like one of my shoes in rotation. And they're like, I forget what they're called. They're like some off-brand thing that no one's heard of that you get at a JCPenney, like high tops. They're the kind that I'm picturing you right now. You're the dude. You're the dad in the white New Balances mowing the lawn. They're dad sneakers. <laughs> they're not quite as dad like as New Balance, but they're pretty dad. But you kind of have to look at them to be like, "Yo, those are some dad ass sneakers." They're like the, I call I call them the Horace Grants. <laughs> Yo, I was a K Swiss man. I, I got my <laughs> ooh British Knights baby. <laughs> Or a hammer used to like push British knights. That was a big gift for British knights. <laughs> Didn't K Swiss try to make a comeback with Kenny fucking Powers a couple of years ago? Are you kidding? That was pretty fun. Oh, on an episode of Eastbound and Down. <laughs> no, like they actually had commercials with him. Oh, <laughs> in his character from Eastbound and Down. That's so appropriate because Kenny Powers would have no shame. And accepting a contract from K-Swiss. <laughs> so, I want to say it was K-Swiss. He'd sell sneakers for Oshkosh Bagosh. <laughs> <laughs> but Michael Jordan, he wasn't down with Nike. He didn't even like Nike. Thought they yeah. sucked. They were a lame-ass company. He, he wanted a... my Adidas. You know, when I was in high school, Adidas was kind of big amongst a certain group of kids because of that corn song. <laughs> not not run DMC. It was it was about that corn song. It was the corn song. Because everyone was like, you know what that stands for, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is what everyone said <laughs> back in like yeah, that, that was pretty middle school. <laughs> All right, maybe I'll go out on that song for this episode. I think I, I think I. But will. Adidas lost. That's right. Adidas got punked in this documentary, man. They were they were shown as a company that couldn't get their shit together. That Ash- couldn't make a, a custom shoe for Michael no. Jordan. Nope. So his mama made him interview with Nike. He didn't even oh. want to. <laughs> mama was they- like, look, they're, these nice gentlemen are making you an offer. You can at least hear them out. Yeah. And their yeah. offer was two and a half times what established stars were making. So his dad's <laughs> like, yeah, you can take that Nike money, boy. Hey, so take, take that money. <laughs> Yeah, they said that Nike was like a track and field shoe more dominantly at the time. And that sneakers hadn't quite blown up into the cultural zeitgeist. But this is like mid-80s. And it took some time. Run DMC had talked about Adidas. (laughs) Yeah, so that's probably why Mike first thought of it. So They were cool. But he, yeah. the, Nike had that new innovation. They put air pockets, little bubbles in the bottom of your shoes. Air, you say. And when the Jordans came out and these air soles came out, smush that shit together, what do you get? Uh, air, air Jordan. Jordans. Whoa, it has a nice ring to it. Sure it does. First year, 126 million Air Jordans sold. Damn. Ah! First, this is first year. The dude's a rookie, right? What the fuck? Dude's a rookie. And of course, now we get the the requisite cultural pastiche. Nas, Justin Timberlake. Yeah. (laughs) Jordans were cool, man. We needed Jordans. Yeah, thanks for clarifying, guys. 
<laughs> Something everyone already knew. I guess there is some filler in here. But no, it's I, I won't lie to you, man. I didn't uh, I didn't jack no Jordans either. Uh, we've talked about my nefarious starter jacket past on previous episodes. Oh, yeah. Well, but... starter jackets had a, a rep, you know. I told you Jordans is too expensive. I told you the story about when the guy came and spoke at my school and and to lecture these country parent kids on gang violence that was happening in the nearby town of Clarksville. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they said that there was going to be a hell night. And you know the gang members because they wear starter jackets, right? And every half the school like pined for starter jackets and the other half had one. And um, so for some reason, my grandmother wanted to go out during this hell night. And the purge? Had, yeah, during the purge. Pretty brave of my grandma. So she grabs, she hands me a box, tells me to keep it under the seat for now. It was a pistol. And if anything happened and people came at us, it was my duty as like a nine-year-old to bust out this pistol and start shooting starter jacket emblazoned gang members. So if you saw anyone in a starter jacket, you were going to start blasting. She thought that they were, that the hordes of uh, gangs were going to overtake unincorporated Southside Tennessee or unincorporated Cunningham, Tennessee, where we were going to the grocery store and just take us all out. And she, uh, it was my duty to carry the, the piece. Little nine-year-old Bob. Look, Country That's hard, living, man. Country living was a little, a little different. <laughs> <laughs> a, little, a little hard, but nobody was Jack and Jordans. No, Th that was city life. <laughs> yeah, not, I mean, maybe some Jordans got jacked where I was from, but I wasn't doing them, and most kids I knew couldn't afford them. It was a huge deal when yeah. I got Reebok pumps. Man, we were we were too into sports. That's the thing. We were always running around and playing, you know, blacktop football and everything we could possibly do. So our shoes would get destroyed nonstop. Yeah, that's true. I needed new pairs way too often to ever buy expensive shoes. I can make a shoe last pretty good now. It really seemed like they did not make them to last. So Don't you talk about my airwalks like that. Yeah, your airwalks. What, the canvas flats? Jesus Christ. I don't understand how people could wear those. I probably ruined my feet wearing that shit when I was a teenager. So we were some uh, cool-ass skater kids. That's how. I like that they were called airwalks. They were literally canvas flat shoes. Could not... Some of the worst support ever. You might as well just like... it's Some only of my favorite shoes I've ever owned were airwalks. You might... Like, if you took like four sheets of cardboard and taped them to your feet, it would be about the, it'd probably be more supportive <laughs> than a fucking airwalk canvas flat. Haters going to hate. Yeah. Can't help it. You know, you know, as country folk in our work boots, I play basketball in working boots. <laughs> anyway, no we? stuff. <laughs> nah, those are expensive. Uh, we were shitting on Converse, I think. That was kind of fun. Converse was like the big NBA brand at that time, but they weren't cool enough for Jordan either, and they proved it by having a video where Larry Bird tried to rap, I think. Yeah. It was real half-assed. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You don't... People tried rapping too much. You think you think people try rapping too much now? The 80s was like... It was like a, a virus, 
and all sports teams had to try to do it. You want to talk cool though, man. When they were, you know, every episode has to have the requisite highlight film to a '90s hip hop song, which is some of my favorite parts, actually. Oh, it's fucking great. Yeah. And the choice for this one was Black Sheep. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one, man. Right? That was fun. Should I go out on that one? Should I go out on that one? God damn. You're gonna have some choices. I know. But it's probably gonna be Corn's Adidas. Because you hate us all. <laughs> you can clip all of them, though. Come on. No. Oh, no, I didn't. I'm not clipping anything. Have you heard these? I'm just recording these. By the time we're done talking, this will be up within two hours. <laughs> so don't fart your cough All this much. bullshit. It is a lot of bullshit on this one. Where are we at in episode five? Aren't we like, isn't he, why, he's perfect? The Bulls win their back-to-back championship. Now yeah. they got two of them. Yeah. Jerry Krause is already talking about the organization is what's important. He's like, oh, the organization. Oh, it's not these players. It's the organization. It's all these these guys in suits. That's what's winning these championships. On a scale of, on a scale of fuck you to underrated, where are you at with Jerry Krause? <laughs> Uh, can he be tens on both? <laughs> it kind of seems like he should be, right? You kind of see it all angles, but the guy did negotiate something pretty good here. I do feel a little bit bad for every shot they pick of him seems to be the close-up on his chins, like sweating as much as possible. They're obviously trying to make you not like Jerry Krause, and it works. It's effective. Well, they're doing it like the way Di- Disney like draws a villain it's like look at how short and ugly he is <laughs> he's always sweaty <laughs> look, look at how tall scotty pippen is and how handsome he is and uh, oh here comes jerry Crouch. i'm jerry Crouch. i've i've spilled gravy all over my shirt wait did you just call scotty pippen handsome yeah sure <laughs> well, they call michael jordan handsome a few times in this as the yeah. perfect spokesman but Scotty Pippen, I don't know about that one. I seem to remember my youth watching basketball days. My mom always would would turn on basketball and see me watching the Bulls beating the Knicks most of the time, sure. and just be like, "That Patrick Ewing and that Scotty Pippen, they're just the ugliest people." Weird. <laughs> just you know, shitting on Ewing, shitting on Scotty Pippen. But she was probably like, "That Michael Jordan, I can see why people like him. <laughs> He's handsome." He's got that sweet pirate earring in half of his interviews now. Yeah. Oh, but Mike won't uh in won't fully endorse a Democratic candidate against uh Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham is like a fucking segregationist. Like can you <laughs> what believe is this nineties sh- Lindsey Graham here? Yeah. It's like God. I don't the remember 90- the dude's name, but he seemed like a real piece of shit. Yeah, it was Lindsey wait. No. It was not actual Lindsey Graham. Who's the it other was one? Chicago Lindsey Graham. No, no. Who's the politician? The turtle. We used to call him a turtle. Not Mitch McConnell. No. Fuck not, it. Anyway. Not that dude from Alabama. Some fucking southern political racist. God, it's hard to narrow him down. <laughs> but he's he's had a lot of terms there. And man, the the language in this little scene... It was crazy seeing news reports where the news anchor comes on there and she's like, 
black politician lost. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was the thing back then. I don't know, growing up in where I grew up, you know, if anyone committed a crime or smoked fucking crack rock or tried to break into your car, it was a white dude. But if you turned on the news, it's like black crime after black crime after black crime. You wouldn't think white people committed crimes if you just stayed in a bubble and only watched the news. So they show a little clip after Jordan's Republicans buy sneakers too way of not making a political statement after the, the racist dude wins again. And he's up there giving his his speech that he just won the, the election to Senate or whatever it was. I think it was Senate. And he starts it out by saying, oh, looks like there's no joy in Mudville tonight. Oh, that, what I the was like, holy fuck? shit, dude. Whoa. What's a <laughs> Dude, I mean... How do you not get your ass beat in these streets? Because he's not in these streets. That's the point. Holy shit. I know, dude. It's like, holy fuck. This is why I thought they were going to end the episode here where you're kind of stunned. You're like, Michael Jordan wouldn't speak out against that dude? Yeah. He did donate to his uh, the the to the guy they wanted him to endorse. I don't know. And of course, they give him the completely unfair comparison with Muhammad Ali. Yeah. They're like, look at Muhammad Ali. He lost everything because he would speak up and he would stand <laughs> up for what he believed in. And, and well, somebody says that's why Muhammad Ali is going to live on forever. And Michael Jordan might be forgotten. I don't know. Besides man. what he does on the court. It's going to take a while. And for shit, Jordan man. We, I was thinking about that last night. When the. This did cost Jordan something, or maybe he likes it that way. Because yeah. when do you think Michael Jordan doesn't get asked his opinion? When was the last time you heard Michael Jordan modern day say anything before this documentary? Uh, Nobody cares much. about Michael Jordan's opinion. No. Whether it be a <laughs> he's, good he's or He's not bad that opinion. kind of <laughs> amazing elder statesman. I hear 10 times as many quotes from Magic Johnson than you do from Michael Jordan. Yeah. And maybe he's happy then that you know he got away from the questions a little bit but it does seem like like that quote was kind of prescient that that gravitas that Im historical importance that muhammad ali got yeah it, it isn't there for jordan well he i think barack obama through jordan's hesitancy was kind of also explaining his own super fame because he shows up for a second in here and he talks about how like you coming in with the social justice and it gets, I forget exactly what he says, but I was just sitting there thinking like, well, I thought I was voting for social justice, uh, Barack Obama, not hand jobbing the GOP. Well, he didn't really hand job him. Anyway, he just turned centrist is all I'm saying. It's like, come on, we want you. I, per I mean, a lot of people maybe want people to turn into like this easy to swallow thing. I guess that's just not me though. If I, if I vote for you or I, it is important that Michael Jordan maybe should come out on the side of justice. It's kind of the same reason why people got pissed off at Taylor Swift for so long. They saw her as a fence fucker. It didn't seem like, it wasn't that she was like against anything. It was that she was also for nothing, it seemed like. Until she uh, said, fuck you to Marsha Blackburn eventually. And they do say that in this. that They say that, you know, to be that beloved across the world, that huge of a global icon... You kind of have to not piss everybody off. You kind of have to walk that line. 
It seems like and Jordan end, did it for better or for worse. But at the end of the and day, and also though, fuck Marshall Black. Yeah, fuck Marshall Blackburn. But at the at the end of the day, like no one's really t- no one's talking that. I feel like Michael Jordan's gambling problems get more lip service than his fence politics. You know, at the end of the day, the first thing anyone says when Michael Jordan is mentioned is greatest basketball player of all time. That's where it is. And that's what he wanted. His focus was on the court, and it, it just, worked. It, it seems like it's just weird to me that when you get people like uh, Michael Jordan and Barack Obama, that they, they sometimes seem to underestimate what they managed to accomplish in terms of dealing with other issues. But because you managed to do that, it's almost more important. It's almost more important because what can they truly take away from you? Look what happened. I think Muhammad Ali is a good example of how Standing by your issues may get people to spit on you in the present, but you'll be a legend in the future. And Ali does deserve fame until, you know, the sun eats this planet. I think that was a that was a pretty important point in this, that this documentary kind of failed to make in all their Jordan worship, was that I, I loved seeing this moment because it does seem that way. And it didn't really strike for me until we were talking about it on the radio last night and Dave mentioned something about not hearing from modern day Jordan. Yeah. This is why that, that happened. He, you know, he had the reputation. He was the biggest star ever for this time, but nobody gives a shit about his opinion on anything. Cause he and never it, made his opinion on anything worth anything. And, um, I think, you know, and this may be actually be a con- a conversation that might require, uh, black people in the discussion, but I want to throw out the idea about when, like, when a black celebrity reaches this reaches this mega status, and the majority white population, what they do with that? They they did try to purify Michael Jordan in the case of like Whitney Houston, right? That we talked about that in the past. Me and Akil, like, they would call her Whitey Houston, and I thought that was so harsh because she made this kind of pop music. And I thought that was harsh at this time, but I kind of, but I kind of see what people are reacting to, even if it seems unfair for Whitney to carry that burden. And I think with, and I think, and it's almost like to make it accessible and digestible for a broader wide audience, it seems like they do love these athletes, but they also have to make them into like this, this thing that they're not sometimes. And I honestly think a lot of people do that with Michael Jordan and and bring it back. I think white liberals do that with like Barack Obama too. They really do kind of put him on this thing without much analysis. He's become like a trinket to them. But but whatever. <laughs> that again, again, we may need black people in the room to go deeper into that. So, damn dude, it almost seems like you want to talk about culture more than anything anything else. Oh wow. You know, sports is culture, though. You're just getting me off on these tangents. <laughs> See, I th- again, I thought this is where they were going to end the documentary, but we got a whole, like, 15 minutes of B- B-roll with celebrities and Jerry Seinfeld walking into the locker room yeah. comparing the Bulls to Seinfeld. And we see this, this scene in Atlanta. It's just, again, harping on how big Michael Jordan was, that every game sold out. He's got to give away tickets. <laughs> God gave you a ticket. <laughs> oh my God! Episode five. Before before we we need to get into episode six soon. 
Uh, no, we haven't even gotten to the biggest part of episode five yet. The dream team. <laughs> the dream team. <laughs> the fucking dream team. No, I was talking about that Atlanta scene because they had to show highlights to Outcast songs. If you're uh, talking about Atlanta, you're required by law to play Outcast in the background. I'm always fine with that. I'm yeah. always fine with that. And doing Rosa Parks right after talking about Jordan not taking a stand. I thought that was a, a nice little touch. <laughs> Man, but oh, the fucking dream team, dude. The, the, <laughs> the greatest, greatest basketball team ever put together. And maybe ever in the future. Maybe. Sorry, Redeem Team. Redeem Team was amazing, of course, too. But there is no comparison in my mind. The but documentary you... wanted to set this up with the whole drama. The Isaiah Thomas wasn't on the dream team. Was it because Jordan didn't like him? Uh, nobody on that team liked him. Well, the, the, the Pistons had a rep. And Isaiah was in the heart of that Pistons. I don't, he, I don't know. Even Jordan says Isaiah was my second best point guard of all time after Magic. My, he's like, as much as I hate him, <laughs> I gotta give him that. Yeah. But yeah, that that dream team was so ridiculously stacked, so awesome. I I love the idea of America just being like, hey, other countries are beating us in basketball. <laughs> yeah. That that shit's not gonna fly anymore. So we're gonna bring NBA players to the Olympics in '92, and. We got the dream team here. Michael Jordan's just coming off that second championship where Clyde Drexler, his dream team teammate, they were like, oh, the star of the Trailblazers. Is he as good as Michael? And Michael's like, I heard that shit. I'm just going to put my foot in Drexler's <laughs> face this entire series. God, I felt sorry for the Glide. And they don't mention it either. But remember that Drexler was the reason the Blazers didn't draft Michael Jordan. Yeah. They drafted Sam Bowie because they already had Drexler. Yeah. A superstar at that position. So yeah, Jordan comes in, and I loved how much of this documentary is about Jordan's pettiness. Oh, he's yeah. the pettiest dude on the planet. <laughs> if any, he's like, people said Drexler's almost as good as me. Nope. I'm going at Drexler. I'm going to shoot three-pointers for a game just because. Because they think that, he's better at three-pointers than me. So I'm going to shoot all three-pointers. That dream team for the Atlantic... Olympics. It was so huge to me as a child. The Barcelona Olympics. Was it Barcelona? 92. This was oh. earlier. Okay, fine. Barcelona <laughs> Olympics. But there were sick-ass dream teams for a while after this. This was the I'm, first. The first, but on that first one, like, I couldn't remember. I could drop a lot of names. But if you had asked me before I watched this, is like, hey, was Isaiah Thomas on the first dream team? I probably would have been like, oh, yeah. I mean, he had to have been, right? He was Isaiah Thomas. But no, he was not. Magic and Bird were kind of near in the end of their careers, but they were both still playing. That was the biggest draw, was Magic, Bird, and Jordan on the same team. But yeah, this team is is absolutely stacked. Like, Obviously, there's the one complete outlier that Christian Leitner was on the Dream Team. But he was the, the symbolic holdover from when previous years when it was all college players. He was the one college athlete. He was the biggest star in college basketball at the time. And yeah, he couldn't uh, get his ass off the bench for that team. <laughs> obviously. So yeah, you obviously say Isaiah should have been there over Christian Leitner. But who else would you take off that team? I mean, Chris Mullen. Chris Mullen was a superstar. He was kind of the only pure shooter on that team, if you want to talk about positioning. Mm -hmm. John Stockton. Maybe John Stockton's not as great a point guard is Isaiah, but John Stockton's a great point guard. And yeah. Carl Malone, Stockton and Malone were the, the Pippen and Jordan of the Western Conference at this time. They were kind of seen as a pair, a unit. 
And if you you obviously have Carl Malone on this team, you have John Stockton on this team, and he's the, just this pure distributor who doesn't need shots. Scottie Pippen wasn't you know the biggest superstar on that team. I want to say Scottie Pippen led the dream team in scoring. It seemed like all it. those stars and all those points were against uh, Tony Kukoc and the Croatians. That was so <laughs> harsh. That Kraus was doing yeah. some doing some dealings without finalizing a Scottie Pippen contract. And Jordan and Pippen took it out on Kukoc directly. At the, the legendary Olympics. pettiness, man. Yeah. Like, Jerry keeps talking about this Croatian dude. He wants to give him money before he pays Scotty. Well, let's let's see. Let's do this shit to this Croatian dude. And yeah, <laughs> the shook highlights of them just shredding Tony Kukoc in the first game of the Olympics was ridiculous. He scored yeah. four points. Yow, they didn't let ow. him do anything. They knocked his ass to the ground every time he went up there. And that team, though, that front line, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, David Robinson, it's ama- it's unbelievable, this team. <laughs> we were uh, I was trying to promote it a little bit when we were talking about the show last night. I still have a starting lineup figure of Dream Team Michael Jordan. Oh, yeah. In the number nine uniform. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't. Of course, it doesn't look anything like him because it's a starting lineup figure. But <laughs> yeah. you, they were that talking. That meant so much to us, man. Just seeing it, it was huge. And, the best. But, but they were talking about this practice game that they had played, and they talked about this fucking practice game like this was actually the greatest basketball game of all time. Where it probably they, was, and they had footage of it. Such good yeah. footage you could hear the trash talk. Yeah, and they're like shitting on each other, and it was just like intense. And Ma- Magic and Charles are, like, busting on Jordan. They're keeping a lead on him the whole time. And then Jordan, just on a team of all-stars, just just flattens that gap. Like, it was nothing. Once after Magic, like, ribbed him for the last time. And it was, the shit was tense. And this was a practice. This, they were practicing to go whip other teams' asses. And they were about ready to throw I've, down. I've talked about how this wasn't the best episode. The the whole not cliffhangers had filler. I would give it a 10 out of 10 just for having the footage of this legendary Dream Team scrimmage against each other. That yeah. footage was so incredible. Yeah, hearing Magic Johnson be like, oh, we're whooping your ass. You better turn into that Air, air Jordan now if you don't want to get blown out the building. <laughs> then Jordan runs up. 10 straight points on them, takes the lead, and the whole bus is quiet afterwards until Magic... Everybody loves Magic Johnson. He just comes off great in this. Mm. And he's just like, guess we shouldn't have pissed that dude off, huh? And everyone starts cracking (laughs) up and talking about what an awesome game it was, like playing against each other. And that's when Michael became the Alpha Alpha. Yeah. On this team of the greatest players in basketball history. Who's going to take the last shot? (laughs) Michael Jordan. But, so, Michael's playing, like, quarters with some of the bodyguard <laughs> staff. And this God is... God damn it, we had to see the fucking Sniff Brothers again. <laughs> and that's when... Uh, but Mike's, like... He's not doing very well at quarters. From what we can tell in terms of the perspective of Mike's gambling, I'm sure he's a much better golfer than I am. I don't care for the sport. But he uh, he seems to only be good at basketball. He loses a lot. He's yeah. not too great at, at uh, tossing quarters or pennies against the wall. Listen to the drinking game quarters. 
uh, episode six is like, hey, remember your superstar dad that you wanted to be like? He's a degenerate gambler. He's a degenerate. <laughs> I didn't think they went hard on him at all. I think they went soft on Jordan. Well, how much do you, I don't know if I, I've, I think it, I think the Jordan's gambling issues are more like an interesting anecdote to me. I don't really give that much of a fuck to be until you honest. get into, was that the secret suspension? Yeah. Which is going to come up in future episodes. So let's not spoil that again. <laughs> I was waiting for this to be the cliffhanger. They were going to talk about the secret suspension cliffhanger, the conspiracy theory. That's, you know, and they that don't make... mention it at all. They don't yeah. end this episode on a cliffhanger either. We're halfway through this series. That's that <laughs> secret suspension leading to basketball, quote unquote, or baseball, quote unquote, was halfway through six Bulls championships. It seemed like it would have been a good time to cliffhanger. Season six it. ends with the three peat. They win their third championship. They three peats, you know, absolutely legendary team of all time. I heard episode seven is just... It was just, a perfect spot for it. I heard episode seven is just the Jordan rides the bus 30 for 30. <laughs> it probably is. I mean, it could be very easily. Uh, but they didn't lead into it at all. So we don't know. We, we got no idea. The other big buildup they had for this episode five and six night was the very start of episode five. Was, they've been pimping out these scenes for the trailers, Jordan and Kobe. So of course, after oh, Kobe right. Bryant's tragic death, we had to get the Jordan and Kobe things in there. The next Jordan, the hype. And yeah, nice. they got some great backstage scenes at the All-Star game in this last dance season in 98 when Kobe's coming up. And you got all the guys in the Eastern Conference locker room out there saying, oh, this kid, he only wants to score. He's going to go one-on-one -on -one with all of us. Yeah. And Jordan's like, oh, I'm going to make him go one-on-one -on -one with me. I'm going to make his ass play some defense. <laughs> it, it does It does seem like everyone's pretty impressed with him. All these old, amazing old-timers. Oh, they're also giving him shit. They're like, I wouldn't pass him the ball. I'd say, get a fucking rebound before I pass you the ball if you were on my team. <laughs> so yeah, even young Kobe, they knew he just wanted to shoot. He was going to shoot the ball. And yeah, yeah, we get that great, great footage, man. Just so good. The footage of them at the All-Star game talking to each other and then some of the highlights of Jordan and Kobe going at it in that All-Star game. Because he wanted to make a statement with this whole next Jordan hype around Kobe. And yeah, Michael, petty ass, wants to make a statement. He makes it. And he wins MVP of the All-Star game. Yeah. <laughs> Proving that he's still got it in this last dance season when everyone's speculating on is it going to be the end for him. I also liked the little talk, man. Just the behind-the-scene footage is my favorite of this stuff. Yeah. With him giving high fives to all these other all-stars. You see him and Gary Payton. And he's like, hey, man, I hope we'll see you in the play in the championship. I mean, I know we're going to be there. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> yeah, he busted on Horace Grant there when he was on the Magic. Yep. Oh, we used to see you in the finals, Horace. Uh, why don't we see you in the finals anymore? <laughs> I actually love that shit. And that recap, especially of that, uh, that Knicks conference final and that Phoenix Suns uh, championship final um it must have been so hard for you to see all-time great nick phil jackson coaching <laughs> against like other nicks like i was pretty young here but yeah i i 100 percent remember this man the the knicks were the best team in the east besides the jordan bulls they had charles oakley coming over from the bulls we saw that in like episode one 
And when they traded him, he was Jordan's protector, this badass frontline dude. That Knicks built their identity around that badass frontline. They had Ewing as the star, but they had Oakley. They had Anthony Mason. They had Xavier McDaniel. They basically became the bad boys of this era. The Pat Riley Knicks were going to not let you dunk on them. Knock your ass on the ground if you try to get in the air. We heard this before with the Pistons. This was the Knicks game right now. And they wanted the torch to pass in the same way that the Celtics kind of got it taken by the Pistons, who held it for a while, got it taken by the Bulls, who held it for a while, and the Knicks were going to take it from the Bulls. That didn't happen that way. Yeah. (laughs) They win those first two games, though. And the second game had the best highlight of young Drew. (laughs) The basketball watching life. John Starks dunk on Jordan. Does Jordan know that he here put that in this film? I don't think... (laughs) I don't think he ran uh, this one by Jordan. Definitely had that poster on my wall. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it was a nice reminder that after that win in game two with that moment, uh, the Bulls went on to win the next four games of that series. You had that poster and like three Phil Jackson posters around it. Uh, and Ziggy Palfy, my yeah. Ziggy Palfy poster of the uh, Fish Sticks Islanders era. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that, and, uh, a, in that Bob Marley's Legends poster, <laughs> and uh, and that uh, Paris Tam poster that every college girl I dated had on uh, their wall. It wasn't even close to college right now, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was You're not. Thinking, I wasn't thinking about that. Uh, what was it? The the four feet under a blanket poster, fucking college dorm. <laughs> no Bob Marley, no uh, Jatem Paris or whatever the. Hell you're the, talking about the, diff- the different faces showing what kind of inebriation you are. Those posters. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that. Oh. All black light. No, this is younger. It was well. it was all rad sports highlights, dude. A hundred percent rad sports highlights in a in Young Drew's room. <laughs> well, a lot of rad sports highlights in this one. So sorry to have to sit through that Knicks loss again. But that Phoenix. Those Suns, four in a row Knicks losses. That Phoenix Suns game. That was such a good series. And I kind of had forgotten how hard the Suns had come there. I mean, the the Bulls only come, like literally, Charles Barkley ejaculated all over that court in that series. And and the Bulls, that's Charles the, Barkley won MVP that year. And that's, uh, And yes. petty-ass Jordan was like, oh, you gave someone else MVP? I'm going to make sure he doesn't get the, the O'Brien trophy for the finals. That's the series where John... Oh, you said uh, Jerry Krause thinks John or- uh, Dan Marley can guard me? I'm going to fuck Dan Marley up. <laughs> that, was the, that was the series where John Paxson clinched it with a three. They only won by one point. The Suns played so hard that if that series went to a seven, I don't know if there's a guarantee the Bulls would have won that shit. Because well, Michael are- Jordan guaranteed it wouldn't go to seven. When they lost that game five in Chicago and Charles Barkley was pissed off that everyone was celebrating before it, he's like, take that shit off your windows. I <laughs> Chicago, still, you don't need that tonight. I still remember that they Paxson fly shot. I still remember that Paxson shot. It was like a big deal. And Paxson was like, yeah, that was like a, that was a big part of my life, that shot. That was the only points that any bull not named Michael Jordan scored in the fourth quarter of that game. Wow. <laughs> that one shot by Paxton. Yeah. Unreal. He was so wide open. He hit it. It was great. But yeah, they fly to Phoenix for that game six. 
And Jordan tells everyone on the plane, we're only packing one suit. We ain't playing two games. <laughs> Imagine He's if not they... going to get outpettied by Barkley. Imagine if they <laughs> did lose and they'd have to go to like the big and tall. <laughs> go to Marshall's the next day. Yeah. <laughs> did they have Marshall's back then? Coles or some shit? <laughs> <laughs> men's warehouse yeah burlington co factory See the, the chicago bulls rolling up to a burlington coat factory <laughs> uh they're they're about to sell out of oh coats. we did another, we did another suit shit <laughs> they'd gamble on how many coats you could try on you knew he would have worn the same suit oh, <laughs> he wouldn't have bought yeah. another suit yeah, sure. Petty ass. <laughs> Only pack one suit. But Michael... Again, we talk about that that Nick series, man. After game two, when they, they lost, they went down two games to nothing. Before that game two, Jordan and his dad went down to AC, did a little gambling. Reports differ on how late they stood out. But it became a thing. Everyone was like, what? He doesn't care about basket. How do you how do you think this in the middle of their three peat season that Michael Jordan doesn't take basketball seriously enough? Every time I see me, Michael, but that's the New York media and every, Mike Francesca. Every time I see Michael, he better be shooting a basketball. That's all he's allowed to do. This is that attitude. That attitude. He just doesn't like basketball enough. I don't think he cares. He's already got his championships. <laughs> okay, he doesn't. Um, Jesus, probably the worst. Uh, Comes a big thing, and Jordan's like, "Oh, fuck you! We're gonna win all the games now. Games now for in New York." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they should be like, "I think he's the greatest." You know, I want to mail him flowers. That's what the New York. That's the takeaway from this, man. <laughs> but he would still find something to be like. They think I'm soft. They mailed me fucking flowers. You know what? I'm gonna drop eighty points on Charles Oakley tonight. That asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and he would. <laughs> Or Dan Marley. Just because Jerry Krause liked Dan Marley, he was like, I'm going to destroy Dan Marley. <laughs> <laughs> did you have Dan Marley posters? No, he's I in... bet Dave did. Dave. Oh, right. Off co-host <laughs> in Phoenix. But that was probably tough for him watching the Phoenix highlights. The ones where and Charles crying. Barkley, man. <laughs> I, I, I liked that Charles Barkley moment where he said, uh, what was it? Game two. Charles Barkley's like, I played the best game I ever played in my life. And Michael Jordan played a better game, and they won. And that's the first moment I thought in my entire life that there might be someone better than me at basketball. (laughs) (laughs) What else we got in uh, episode six? Let's wrap this up. Not too much, dude. We got another uh, totally anticlimactic ending. We got a whole bunch of him musing about how fame is hard. We got that... uh, the cliche ass thing that we see in every single one of the 30 for 30s where they're like, holy shit, look at how many paparazzi are here. He can't even do anything by himself. Yeah. That and is yeah, a... it's crazy. It's crazy to see every time. And he seems but we to got be... a bunch of that. He does seem to be patient for the kids. You got to appreciate that. And we get a weird ending where he's driving around out of his gates that have 23 logos on them. In his fucking Hummer or whatever it is that has two tray as a custom license plate. I guess he didn't want to avoid the fame that much. <laughs> but he's rolling with Ahmad Rashad, talking about how he's he's got to hang it up, how tired he is, how, how much that Sun series took out of him, that three-peat, 
And Jordan's just exhausted mentally and physically. Mm. He's talking about Rashad and retirement and how he'd rather be out of there two years before his skills start to decline. He doesn't want to be one of those dudes. He mentions Patrick saying that he's, he couldn't see doing anything else. He's going to play till they have to drag him off the court. I assume yeah. he's talking about Patrick Ewing. Right. And he says he's not that guy. He's going to be the guy who's going to walk off the court himself before he needs to get carried off the court. Mm. So we don't talk about Wizards, Michael Jordan. <laughs> we're pretending like wizards jordan doesn't exist right now and also that's pretty sad to me again growing up as a knicks fan in this era because it made me think about patrick ewing he basically played until his knees dissolved I and he had to be fans. carried off the court there was patrick ewing in a seattle supersonics uniform there was patrick ewing as an orlando magic at the end of his career just trying to play with knees that didn't do anything Damn, that sucks. So he kind of did have to get play until he got carried off the court. It was uh, it was kind of heavy. You know, if I were Michael Jordan level famous and dealing with fans and shit, as far as stopping to sign anything, only kids. Strictly only kids. If you're a grown person groveling for a signature, you just have to get the fuck away out of my face unless there's some kind of special event where you do that. You know? It would strictly Man, what a be. Dick. This guy it, wants to sign autographs. Yeah, for grown ass people. <laughs> what an asshole. Look, I'm a grown ass man, <laughs> and what would I do with an autograph? I never think to ask for autographs when I'm in certain environments. <laughs> I did when I was a kid. Like, what am I going to do with your signature? I don't even like carrying anything that doesn't fit in my pocket, for one. So. <laughs> Damn, I am with you there, man. <laughs> but uh, I'm, a, I'm enough of a sports fanatic, man. It still means something to me if if I get someone signed it. When I was uh, down at last year for spring training, I got to meet Do- Dwight Gooden and talk to him for a little while. You know what? That's yeah, we the, talked I, for a bit, and Dwight Gooden signed one of the the business cards for my radio show, and that that cool. still meant something to me. You know, seeing a, a Doc Gooden signature there. But I'm not gonna. No, I'm not gonna go chasing them, and I'm not gonna be pissed off if somebody doesn't sign nothing for me. In all the the radio life and stuff, when I've got people I interview, I never ask them for an autograph after the interview or anything like that. Right. The interview kind of is the autograph. You get that recording. Yeah. Totally. Of talking to each other, and that's the what's time. real meaningful. The time. The time. I that, I think that's actually fucking awesome. You got to talk to Doc Gooden like that. And the time is definitely what I'm going to remember, but yeah, it's, it's still cool. <laughs> did you make him come? No, did but you? I did uh, kind of circumspectly uh, ask him if he missed the Mets World Series parade because he was buying Coke in my hometown, which is what the <laughs> longstanding rumor is. Going down to Long uh, Beach, get some Coke. Okay. <laughs> Going down to try, Long Try to Beach. be a little bit nice there. <laughs> and, uh, okay. I was just like, hey, man, uh, just uh, so you know, uh, from from Long Beach, you know, you're, you've you been there, right? <laughs> he, he played it cool. He, he, he didn't say nothing. Yeah, you <laughs> he take didn't give train, anything away. You take the train over ja, through Brooklyn, over Jamaica, Queens, right? And uh, gotta get that nice white, get that Long Beach nice white. Anyway, well, you you want to give him my address too, huh, Bob? <laughs> <laughs> of uh, my childhood home that I don't live in anymore. <laughs> that you haven't lived in in oh, well over ten year, a decade. But you well know, over, yeah. But you know what? I think that does it for this episode, and I I'm really excited to 
I really, I'm really looking forward to finishing this. I'm not tired of it. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. We're finally up to the playoffs in Last Dance season two. Yeah. And, there, uh, there wasn't much of the Last Dance season in these episodes. <laughs> they flashed to it a couple times because they're required to by law because that's technically what this documentary is about. Yeah. But most of these episodes were not about that 98 season. We just got kind of flashes and a couple of dope-ass highlights. But now it's playoff time, and he's rolling into the playoffs, talking to Ahmad Rashad, getting ready to play the Nets in the first round. And that's where we end episode six. Four I'm, more. The I'm last re- dance. I'm ready for more 1998. And until next time, let's go out on corn with Adidas, which means... All day, I dream about sex. Take it away, Jonathan Davis. Zit, lay back, watch TV all day. It's peaceful here until you guys come up in here. Stay.